Well, church, I would invite you to turn, if you have a copy of God's Word, to the book of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9. Uh, we're going to begin in chapter 9, verses 19, and then we will skip ahead to uh, a little bit later uh, in chapter 10. Uh, this passage of scripture we're about to read takes place uh, in a broader passage where Paul is answering a question uh, that the Corinthian church has about uh, you know, what they should do, how they should interact with uh, their unbelieving neighbors, especially when it comes to things like food. Um, and this specific passage is, uh, is kind of getting to that, but, but using Paul's example as an apostle, and especially how he did the work of an evangelist. So let's keep that in mind as we, as we read this passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I invite you, uh, if you're able, to stand for the reading of God's word. <clears throat> Beginning in verse 19. Paul writes, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And then skipping ahead to verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Amen, church. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Lord God, you have said, seek my face. Your face, O Lord, do we seek. Hide not your face from us. We ask, Lord, as we open your word, that you would lead us on a level path, that you would show us how to live in a way that is gospel-focused and mission-focused, especially to those who are outside the church, those that you have called us to love. Lord, in the same way that you have contextualized yourself 
so that we could understand you, so that we could receive your work of salvation. Lord, we want to be imitators of you and imitators of our uh, Father in the face, the Apostle Paul. Lord, we ask that we would hear the voice of Jesus, our Savior, this morning, that it would not be primarily my voice. We ask that you would remove distractions from our heart so that we could hear clearly without hindrance. Lord, I thank you for your people. I thank you that we have your word that is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the same as our Savior. And we thank you and ask for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. Uh, for those of you who uh, don't know me, um, I'm Alex Wright. I'm an assistant pastor over uh, at uh, your sister church, New City Fellowship, in the Beechwood neighborhood, and uh, give you, send you greetings uh, from your sisters, uh, brothers and sisters there. Uh, we've been incredibly blessed to have uh, your pastor, Mark, and, and, uh, and brother Eric uh, sharing the word with us uh, at New City. Um, and uh, just also want, want you to know that we are praying for your pastor and his family as they, they go through this difficult season. Um, but it's, uh, it's an honor uh, to be here again with you this morning uh, to open up God's word with you. Uh, something that uh, our church has been uh, wrestling with uh, the last few Sundays uh, and during our weekly uh, prayer group slash Bible study is the, this idea of, you know, how, how, you know what, what would it look like in this coming year for us to, to re-engage in outreach and evangelism? Which, you know, whenever we hear those terms, those are, can be loaded terms, you know, when we hear the word evangelism, you know, what exactly uh, does that mean? And so we've been trying to refocus on, on the, 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 the biblical term of making disciples. Uh, Jesus calls us to make disciples. You know, this is the great commission uh, that Jesus gave his apostles uh, before he ascended into heaven. And so this passage that we're looking at today is, is, is often connected to that uh, concept of discipleship, of, of evangelism. And, and Paul is really getting at here the how. You know, what, what attitude should we adopt as we are seeking to make disciples? Uh, and something that I, I want to communicate to you all this morning is that when we talk about outreach or about sharing our faith, it's important not first to begin with methodologies or techniques or, you know, step by step, this is how you do it. Uh, some of those uh, are helpful uh, and we can learn from them. Uh, but specifically, we want to get to the heart. You know, why, why has God called us to do this work? Um, because something that if we look throughout history, people are willing to give up a lot for a cause that they believe in. People are willing to give up everything, including their own lives, for a cause they believe in. Uh, it could be a good cause. Uh, it could be a very evil cause, actually. Uh, recently, I've been uh, reading through a series on uh, the Pacific theater of World War II, and you hear about these horrible stories of kamikaze pilots crashing into ships and, and killing themselves. You know, and a lot of that ideology that was behind that was this belief that the emperor was a god on earth, 
And so if the emperor was asking them to do something like that, they should be willing to do it. Uh, and so that, that ideology had captured their heart. So that's a, that's a, very, a very negative example, but there's also, of course, the many examples of believers throughout history who have given their lives uh, for the sake of sharing the gospel uh, with others around the world. And so we have to start with this vision that Paul is casting here about why we are called to share the gospel and, and what attitude we should adopt. Um, we want to learn from, from our brother Paul and imitate him as he imitates Christ, uh, as we read here. And so, uh, if there's one big idea uh, I want you to take home today with you as you go out this week, it's this. Reaching our neighbors is about keeping our eyes on the finish line. Reaching our neighbors is about keeping our eyes on the finish line kind of borrowing that athletic language that Paul is, uh, is using here. And so uh, there are three points that f- flow from this. Uh, three remembers as we uh, keep our eyes on the finish line. The first one is remember who you are and what you've got. Remember who you are and what you've got. Number two, remember to adopt an adaptable attitude. Remember to adopt an adaptable attitude. And three, remember what's in it for you. Remember what's in it for you. And we'll get back to that here in a little bit. So first of all, reaching our neighbors is about keeping our eyes on the finish line. Because number one, remember who you are and what you've got. Paul knew who he was. Paul had a strong sense of his core identity. We know this from passages like Philippians chapter 3, where Paul says, Christ Jesus has made me his own. Paul knew that he belonged to Jesus first and foremost. And so maybe another way that we could put this is not only remember who you are, but remember whose you are. Remember whose you are. You belong to Jesus. Or Paul says in Galatians chapter 2, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And Paul was not making uh, a simple metaphor there. He was saying literally by the Spirit's power, I have been united with Christ in his death. And so the old me, the me that was just focused inwardly on myself, has been crucified with Jesus. And now it is really Christ who lives in me. That was the core of his identity. Paul knew who he was. And so we too, if we are to uh, adopt an outward attitude of outreach, and as we seek to love our neighbors with the gospel, we must remember who we are. That is incredibly important. Is that at your core of who you are, that you belong to Jesus, that you have been purchased with the blood of Christ? We must remember who we are. But we also have to remember what we've got. Remember what we've got. Paul knew what he had. And there are different things uh, among many that Paul knew that he had. Uh, First of all, Paul knew that he had a culture. He knew that he had an identity that he had received from his culture. So again, going back to passages like Philippians chapter 3, Paul knew that he was an Israelite. Uh, 
he belonged to the tribe of Benjamin. He calls himself a Hebrew of Hebrews. Um, Paul also had, uh, we would, could call it baggage. Uh, he had good baggage and bad baggage. Uh, Paul was a persecutor of the church. And before Jesus uh, literally knocked him off his horse, uh, he had been throwing Christians in prison. Uh, he, he, was, uh, he had that baggage as a persecutor of a church. And just imagine for a moment, as Paul is seeking to love uh, other Christians, uh, he could have had some pretty awkward conversations. Oh yeah, you're the guy who uh, you know, threw so-and-so into jail back in the day. You know, that, that would have been an incredibly uh, huge barrier uh, for Paul to have to cross uh, as he was seeking to, to share the gospel. Uh, he had been a legalist, right? For many years, Paul believed believed that he could earn his way into heaven by obeying the law, by just doing good enough. You know, that, that was a, a lesson that had been ingrained into him for years and couldn't have just been switched off overnight. Um, but also, we, we read in this passage, specifically in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, that Paul had freedom. He says in verse 19, I am free from all. In other words, Paul knew that he had agency. Paul knew that he had power to do something with the resources that God had given him. He had agency. And so, like Paul, in similar ways, we too must know what we have, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, we too have a culture, and our culture is often composed of, of a variety of, of, of areas of life. You know, we have ethnic culture. Uh, we have a family culture. There were certain ways things were done uh, in my family, uh, and the same as you. Uh, there's class culture, a socioeconomic culture. Our cultural preferences will always be deeper than we know. Uh, oftentimes when uh, folks are talking about culture, they use the image of an iceberg, right? You know, if you think of an iceberg, there's, uh, I think it's like 10% is uh, the part that you can see, but then there's a huge underwater, uh, you know, the 90% is the part you can't see. And so culture is not only the things that you can see, like clothes or food or music, but it's also the unspoken rules that every culture has and every family has. And so we have to recognize that. We too have baggage, good baggage and bad baggage. Um, there is history that we must reckon with uh, as Americans. You know, how have different people groups interacted with each other? Uh, what oppression has taken place between people groups? So, for example, when, as our church thinks about uh, cross-cultural ministry, specifically in the Beechwood neighborhood, you know, uh, the, the white members of our congregation cannot pretend that the history of racism, uh, both overt and systemic, has no effect on how we engage with uh, our neighbors. We can't simply choose to ignore that the moment we step out on the sidewalk to love our neighbors. And, you know, we also have personal history. You know, all of us, uh, we have hobby horses and chips on our shoulder. Uh, and those are different for each of us, right? Uh, you know, some of you perhaps are, in, are, are maybe really into a particular author or, or theologian. Uh, but 
Uh, we don't all share that, that similarity. Uh, some of you perhaps may have been really hurt by a particular group of people or a particular theological tradition. And so when you are engaging with people as, as you seek to share the gospel and love them with the word of God, you are, you are bringing history with you. Uh, and the person that you are seeking to love is bringing history with them. And so it's almost like when you are engaging with someone in conversation, there's a whole group of people behind you that, that you can't physically see, but who are really present with you. And there is history there. And so as we think about reaching our neighbors, you know, another way to talk about this, this idea of know who you are and what you've got, is we need to have self-awareness. Uh, we need to, to understand what we are bringing to the table. Um, first of all, we need, of course, to remember that we are sinners, uh, that we, we ourselves sin, that, but also that we've been twisted by sin. Uh, and, and we need to be aware of things, again, like culture and, and history, uh, and in particular, maybe things that trigger you uh, and, and bring up those strong feelings. Remembering who you are and what you've got is about keeping your eyes on the finish line. You know, another way to think about this is, you know, athletes, if, if they're getting ready to run a race, you first of all need to know where the starting line is, right? You need to know where the race begins. Uh, but also you need, to under, you need to know, you know, what are your injuries? You know, have you, have you hurt a knee in the past? You know, you need to remember how that's going to affect how you run the race. You need to play to your strengths as an athlete. Um, and above all, as, as we seek to love our neighbors, even before we, 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 we go out into the world, we, we need to slow down and soak in the love of our Savior. Uh, we need to slow down to be with Jesus. And this is very hard in a world that is so rushed and that is always looking to the next thing. But the reason that's so important is, is if we know something is good, if we, if we love it, if it's captured our hearts, we will want to give it away. We will want to give it away. Uh, it's so convicting as I, as I look at my own life. You know, the last season, and, you know, as I said before, I've been, you know, in this, uh, this World War II kick. And so I've been you know, reading these history books and watching these movies. And, you know, I'm, I'm telling people, have you seen this movie or have you read this book about, you know, war? Which <laughs> isn't a very <laughs> encouraging thing. And yet, if only my heart was so captured by the gospel and about what Jesus has done for us, you know, I, 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 that is my heart is to be able to share with that freedom and without hindrance what Jesus has done for me. And I pray that would be the same for all of us here. So number one, remember who you are and what you've got. But second, remember to adopt an adaptable attitude. Remember to adopt an adaptable attitude. This very well-known phrase in the middle of our passage, Paul says, I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. And he gives different categories of people. Uh, he says to the Jews, I became like a Jew. And so, for example, we see sometimes in the book of Acts, Paul will engage in Jewish ceremonies so that he will not offend other Jews. And it wasn't because that Paul believed that he had to obey those ceremonies, because Jesus had fulfilled those ceremonies. 
but he didn't want to give offense to the Jews. He was seeking to love with the Gospels. Uh, He would also do this with Gentiles. And so, again, a very well-known passage in the book of Acts, chapter 17, uh, as Paul is speaking to uh, uh, to these group of philosophers on on Mars Hill, uh, he would quote from Gentile books and and authors and poems, and he would make observations about the surrounding culture. Uh, In other words, he used the language of the people he was trying to serve. And it's important to know Paul did not adapt his morality to cultures. Uh, Paul would never tweak, uh, for example, one of uh, the Ten Commandments uh, for the sake of cultural adaptability. Uh, He would not change the the core of of God's commandments uh, for the sake of cultural adaptability. But also, and this is important to remember too, Paul would not adapt to a cultural practice if the gospel was on the line. He would not adapt to a cultural practice if the gospel was on the line. So, for example, in the book of Galatians, you remember this? Uh, Paul confronts Peter uh, because Peter is separating himself from the Gentiles after he had been eating with them because Peter is afraid of offending other Jews. And Paul confronts him. Why? Because Peter is acting as if the gospel has not broken down the barriers between Jew and Gentile. So sometimes Paul would say, no, you shouldn't change uh, for the sake of that, okay? Peter was not seeking to win people to Christ. He was doing that out of fear. And so we too have to remember that. Um, you know, a modern example uh, that, uh, you know, something like drinking. Uh, some of you maybe grew up in a tradition in which uh, drinking was, was very much frowned upon as something very unchristian. And, uh, and I'm not saying that, you know, all Christians should drink or that's wise for everyone. And yet, you know, we believe in our tradition that the, the Bible is, has given freedom to that. Uh, it's not uh, something that is uh, uh, binding to your conscience to, to not drink. Um, I remember one of my professors in seminary was basically like, I will drink a beer for the sake of the gospel if someone's <laughs> threatening my salvation. So you've heard it here today. Go drink a beer for the sake of the gospel. Don't tell Pastor Mark I said that. He probably will get back to me. Um, so we, we have to adopt an adaptable attitude. And here are a couple, couple things to think about as, you're, as you go out uh, and think about, you know, what, what would it look like maybe for you to adopt an adaptable attitude? And there's a couple thoughts from a, a pastor uh, in our denomination, Pastor Tony Miles. He's a, he's a pastor of a cross-cultural church in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. <clears throat> Excuse me. Another new city uh, fellowship. Uh, and he gives, um, he gives a, a couple points here. Number one is immerse yourself in the community. Immerse yourself in the community. So for our church, New City Beachwood, um, we are particularly focused on a neighborhood, uh, the Beachwood neighborhood. Uh, and so uh, for, for this church, perhaps these are questions you can ask yourself. Is there a community uh, or group of people that God has really laid on your heart? You know, uh, it could be a perhaps, uh, you know, something like uh, young people uh, or college students. 
Um, you know, is there a particular uh, group of uh, maybe folks who are living here as immigrants uh, that your heart is being drawn towards? And that can be for a variety of reasons. So uh, think of it, when you think of, hear the word community, think of uh, a group of people that perhaps God is leading you to love. And so a few good questions that our church is asking uh, and that I would encourage you to think about is, is uh, do we ever go to where our neighbors go? Do we go to the grocery stores they shop at? Uh, do, they, do we go to where they, they eat? They eat out at restaurants. Uh, I remember a couple weeks ago, I went with uh, uh, one of our uh, church members, many of you know, uh, Brother Robert McCullough, and uh, we went out to uh, kind of a local plaza, uh, Goodman Plaza that's connected to our neighborhood. Uh, and lo and behold, we saw that there was a Puerto Rican restaurant there that did not show up on Google Maps. Believe it or not, there's some things Google does not know yet. Uh, and so we discovered this, this restaurant uh, that was just... Uh, and it was just a good opportunity to get to know our neighborhood a little bit more and to, to learn about what's there, uh, this, this, uh, this restaurant. Um, another question, do you, do you know what media uh, your neighbors are taking in? Uh, music, TV, social media? Uh, for example, in our, in our neighborhood, you know, a lot of our young people uh, listen to hip-hop. And I don't naturally listen to hip-hop, and yet there's a lot to be learned uh, from that genre of music. Uh, the, the stories uh, that young people are hearing and, the, and they're learning about, you know, and some of it is, uh, is good opportunities for the gospel to uh, intersect with that. And it's important to remember that the, the questions... Let me back up here. So, so, okay, number one, immerse yourself in the community. But number two, and this is really important, begin where people are, not where you want them to be. Begin where people are, not where you want them to be. So, so what do I mean by that? Uh, begin with the questions that people are asking. So a good illustration of this from Scripture is Acts chapter 8. Uh, you remember this is a, a very famous uh, story where there's an Ethiopian eunuch, uh, and Philip the evangelist is led by God to go talk to this Ethiopian eunuch. And lo and behold, this eunuch is reading from the book of Isaiah. Uh, and he, he is reading from Isaiah 53, and this passage is, is you know, it's a great intro uh, into, into the gospel. And it says in Acts chapter 8 that beginning from that scripture, Philip began to share Christ with the eunuch. And so it's important to see, you know, Philip didn't say, wait, we need to go all the way back to Genesis before I can get to Jesus. He said he began from that scripture. And so that's a good lesson for us to know, is if, if we are seeking to love our neighbors, that we have to begin with the questions that they are asking about God, about life, about, you know, what's, what's the point of it all? You know, the questions people are asking about God may not be the questions that we are asking, you know, as a people. Um, they may not be the questions that the nation at large uh, is asking. You know, the, the loudest voices on social media may not be the voices that we, we should be listening to the most. Uh, let me put it this way. We, we need to try to be as local as possible. We need to try to be as local as possible. 
Uh, there is no substitute uh, for, for being on the ground, so to speak, uh, and, and learning and asking questions of people and kind of learning where they are. So remembering to adopt an adaptable attitude is about keeping our eyes on the finish line. Paul gives us the reason that he does this. He says uh, he does it all to save some in verse 22. He says he does it all to save, to save some, not to impress some. Okay, you know, whenever we talk about uh, being adaptable or, or being all things to all people, there's always a temptation to self-righteousness uh, or to looking cool, you know, to, to being accepted uh, by our culture. Or perhaps we are driven by a desire to not be like other Christians, you know, you know whatever that could be, fundamentalists or uh, our parents' churches. Uh, we, we don't want to be a church that's reacting only to a different kind of faith, but we want to be a people who are for loving our neighbors in Christ. And we adapt again, not to impress, but in order to bring people in contact with the risen Savior. You know, it's kind of like, uh, if you ever go to like a children's museum, sometimes they have those static balls, right, where you, you touch it and your hair stands up, and, you know, maybe you touch someone else and their hair stands up. So it's kind of like that, you know, it, being adaptable uh, in sharing the gospel is kind of like removing a rubber glove so that the electricity can pass through you. You know, we are seeking uh, for people to see Christ in our lives and in our words. Uh, you know, we can't, we can't literally in and of ourselves save people, uh, but we are, we are bringing people into contact with the Savior, the only one who can save. So, reaching our neighbors is about knowing who we are and what we've got. It's also about adopting an adaptable attitude. But the third remember is we have to remember what's in it for you. Remember what's in it for you. Uh, and that, that sounds a little selfish, right? You know, I thought we were talking about other people. You know, we're, we're supposed to be loving uh, our neighbors. But if you look at the language of the text, Paul sounds kind of selfish, right? He says stuff like in verse 23, I do it all for the sake of the gospel so that I may share with them in its blessings. Uh, or he, uh, he, he exhorts uh, his listeners, you know, uh, run that you may obtain the prize, right? So it is, it, it's interesting, right, how Paul is, is engaging with this church by trying to show them what's, what's in it for you, what's in it for them. You see, if you go through the scriptures, and specifically as you look at how Jesus interacts with his disciples, God, he doesn't so much diminish our desires or belittle them. He redirects and expands our desires. So, for example, when, when Jesus is talking to his disciples and, they, and they're arguing about who's greatest in the kingdom, you know, he doesn't say, well, you shouldn't desire to be great. He says, if you want to be great, you must be the servant of everyone. You see how Jesus takes that desire for greatness and says, well, let me redirect it and show you where greatness is to be found. It's to be found in being the servant of everyone. Again, going back to the intro, right, where we said that if something, if something has captured your heart, 
you'll be willing to do almost anything. This is getting at the heart of it. If, if, if this, this call of God to make disciples, if it hasn't captured our hearts yet, we're not going to do it, or we're not going to do it very long. It, it, it has to be, we have to see how the glory of Christ and, and the good work of making disciples, how that is the, the greatest joy that we can experience is doing what God has called us to do. So what, what are the things? What are the things that we gain? Uh, what is Paul talking about here uh, when he says sharing in the blessings of sharing the gospel? Well, uh, number one, you receive a life of purpose and joy. You know, this is, this is the, uh, I think this is a Star Trek phrase, the prime directive <laughs> of, the, of the Christian life. It's the, it's the call to make disciples of all nations. This is why the church and the, and the world still exists in this state. You know, this is why Jesus hasn't come back yet, because his family is not yet completed. Jesus waited over 2,000 years for you to be born so that you could hear the gospel, so that you could become his son or daughter. And that's the same reason that the church is still around today in its present state and why Jesus hasn't come back yet is because his family is not yet complete. And so this is the call uh, that uh, God's word calls us to again and again. Uh, this is the purpose that he has called us as his people. Um, and, you know, we all want to be useful, right? This is why work is so important is, is we, we all want to feel like we are uh, being used in serving God's kingdom. You know, this is why Paul will say things in 1 Corinthians 15, you know, your labor in the Lord is not in vain, because we're going to be tempted to think that, that, that the work we do on behalf of Jesus is, not, is in vain. But it's not. Our labor is not in vain. But second, we get a front row seat to see what God is doing in the hearts and lives of people. You know, that's something, if I could um, cultivate something in you and in myself, is that we would have a gospel driven imagination for people that when we when we see people that we are we are trying to love we we would not only see their shortcomings or the ways that perhaps they are hurting us or themselves but we could see what god could do with this person what the spirit could do with this person you know could the young person that you're loving or speaking the gospel to maybe they're a future leader in the church, maybe a future elder or deacon? Uh, are, we, are we imagining what God could be doing in the people around us? You know, and this is a, it's such a time of fear and anxiety. It's so easy to be afraid of people. And I can sense that in my own heart. Um, so our, we need to pray that God would help us overcome that fear so that we could see what he could do uh, in the lives of people. But perhaps most important as we're, as we're moving towards this goal, this call of God, is that one day we will hear those words from our Heavenly Father, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. 
you know, it's, it's so interesting. If, if you have children or if you know children, they're always, they're always trying to show mommy or daddy what they can do, right? You know, look what I drew. You know, look what I can do, you know, uh, you know, with this ball or this truck. You know, and we never outgrow that desire. Uh, we, we want to be seen. We want to be known. We, we want to be approved of. And the good news of the scriptures is that we have that in Christ, and we have that approval from our Heavenly Father, that He sees what you are doing, even the small things, and He, he loves to receive the sacrifices of His children. And so that is, that is a, a huge blessing of this call to make disciples, is that as we, as we enter into the pain and the risk and the vulnerability of, of, of sharing Christ with our neighbors. God sees that, and, and, and he chooses to bless that for the sake of his son. And so we have to keep our eyes on the finish line. Uh, if we take our eyes off the finish line, you know, borrowing that image of a, of a race, or an athletic race, we're going to go off to the left or the right, um, but if we are keeping our eyes on the finish line, we will, we will continue in this work with the strength that only God can give us. So let's pray and ask that God would do this work in our hearts. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for this word by, our, by the apostle that you tapped on the shoulder to give it. Lord, if we were to try to do what we have just read in our own strength, we would fall flat on our face even before we left the finish line. And so as we, as we go out into the world and as we seek to, to love our neighbors in word and deed, we ask that it would be your spirit that goes with us and goes before us. Lord, we, we cannot go if you are not with us. We thank you for the work that has been done already at this church, those who have come to know Christ through the ministry of grace and New City, Lord, and other churches in our city. We ask, Lord, that you continue to multiply that work in the coming years for as long as you would have us. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.